0: What is up everyone and welcome to episode 417 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. College basketball is back and that's what we're talking today on Combo's Court. Dalen Cuff of ESPN joins in to talk everything college hoops. We discuss improvement areas for Imani Bates, Duke basketball, best returners for the upcoming season, and much more big shouts to Dalian fantastic conversation can't wait for you all to hear it intro music by Luca Beats let's get into it Luca don't do it to him And cuff of ESPN. Welcome to combos Court, man. What is up? What is up? What is up? <laughs> All good, man. Just got done doing my civic duty around the corner here,
1: and uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk some poops and uh, get the season going. Twenty, well, twelve hours after we tipped it off last night, sixteen, whatever. My math's terrible. What are you short, most excited? What are you most
0: excited about about this upcoming season?
1: Um, I think this is the first year we're gonna we're actually seeing like the NIL impact of guys coming back, and particularly, I mean, we obviously have some guards that are coming back, which is important, whether it be Caleb Love or RJ Davis or guys that I think definitely should have stayed or even Marcus Sasser back in health, but the bigs, you know, whether it's Oscar Sheway rain national player of the year, drew Timmy, Rondo Baycott, the guys that don't fit the NBA game. And instead of forcing themselves out, I think with this, from Baycott's standpoint, Baycott was a, you know, five-star pick. A lot of people thought he was going to be a one and done. Like he, he thought he was going to be one and done guy. I think too. He's now here all four years. I don't think he stays. If he's not making seven figures this year and last year, having the ability to start making that money, he may have forced the issue. Um, and I'm glad he didn't. He's a great young man and a, good, a, a guy that fits the college game. And he's anchoring the number one team in the nation right now um, with one of the premier brands in college, college basketball, which I think we need. Our, our game needs, not on life support, but it is, it is not in the best position it's ever been in terms of public, un, like casual fan consumption, You know, people understanding the teams, the players, and being involved in the sport beyond the month of March. So when you have a guy like Baycott and a team like North Carolina, people know that's important. And I think those guys, him, Sheboy, obviously, Kentucky, another huge brand. Gonzaga's another huge brand with Timmy. You have these recognizable stars that help make the game, make the product better and also make the individual games better, I believe, as well, and let people kind of give people a reason to watch early in the season versus saying, well, who plays for this team now? You, think, you know that a little bit. So this NIL impact, we're getting more teams across the country, more guys back. I think that helps the product and helps the promotion of it as well.
0: Bit, to piggyback off your point, the top two prospects – Going into next year's draft, are not playing college basketball. Wemby and Scoot Henderson—is that somewhat of a disappointment for college basketball? I mean, yes and no. Would it be? great? I mean, if if
1: Victor was strolling around, strolling around here at seven six and silky smooth and making three, we'd all love to see it. And, and we've become accustomed by and large. Uh, obviously, Luca a couple years ago. There's there's still those guys that, are, that that should be one, two, or three that may not be playing in college. That's not ideal scenario. But at the same time, with those guys coming back, that at times is. Let me back up a second. I don't exactly love how we market our sport when I say we, ESPN as a company. We continually market it as this is a vehicle. These are the next guys you need to know for the NBA. Here's what you need to know about, know about the NBA guys. And I get why that's valuable to the casual fan. But still, there's a lot of college basketball fans who just want to know what's good. And let's celebrate our game for just a minute. So I'm, th- those guys coming back that I've talked about, that is a celebration of the collegiate game. And you can tune in and see a good game and a great product and the pageantry and the energy that college brings that the NBA doesn't bring. And that's okay. It's a different game. It's a different product. And I I feel like we always sink it back and forth. That's why we're always Andrew. We're always reading promos for NBA games. How often do you hear NBA games? Then read a promo for college basketball. Right. It's it's almost never. And that's part of what our company does well is market its products and market its properties. We don't treat them the same. And when we're always pushing one to the NBA, that's an easy through line. We don't always need to do that. I think there's ways to promote our game with our players here right now.
0: I am somebody who covers the draft more than even college basketball at times, but I would say when watching a player like Drew Timmy, I don't think the first thing should come to mind is how his game translates to the NBA level. We could appreciate Drew Timmy for who Drew Timmy is. You Mm -hmm. mentioned him. Where does he rank this season among the top players in college basketball?
1: Uh, He's a consensus all American first team. And he could be, uh, he could be national player of the year without a doubt. I think the team, Last year, there were more weapons around him that made, you know, not took the ball out of his hand. But at times, you want Nebhard to have the ball at times. Timmy had it all the time. But now they may need him to do even more this year to reach their potential. Strother is an outstanding you know guard. They've got other really good players around him. Um, But that said, I think they're going to have to ask him to do more. And I think he's also developed his game. I did the scouting combine out there in, in May in Chicago. And we watched Drew play in a number of those games. He was shooting the three with more consistency. He was, showing, he was showing a little bit of NBA range. So we know that coupled with his footwork uh, and how he's de- his game has developed, he can still improve, and I think he's still doing that. So uh, he's a guy that could be the national player of the year and will carry one of what has become, one of the premier brands in college basketball, that Gonzaga program. He will be kind of the face of that program. And now, again, a more maybe even more known face this year than he was last year.
0: Who's the best returning guard, the best returning wing, and the best returning big? I mean, we mentioned Drew Timmy already. It's- in college basketball, I won't give you every position because it's somewhat of what many would say a positionless sport. I mean, yeah. that's somewhat debatable as well. But just the best guard, best wing, and best big coming into this college season.
1: It's tough. We've already touched on the bigs, and it's hard to say Sheehey won't have another monster impact. And the guy had nine thousand rebounds or whatever. It's just it's right. insane what he did last year. Back when he's back to full health, you know, obviously you, know, you want to see how his body responds to to knee surgery. Um, so I think the bigs, have kind of, those are, when you throw in Trace Jackson Davis so the guys we've already talked about. That's kind of the, the group we're looking at, Hunter Dickinson in, in a more traditional big sense as well. They're all in the mix. It's hard to say who's the best because I think that's the position that is most solidified and returning because those guys in particular do not fit in the modern NBA game. Right. Um, I touched on Sasser. I think I'm, I'm more intrigued to see him back just from full health. And the way Houston plays, like just that. Let's just be real. I like to dabble in, in, in the betting game as well. In Houston, <laughs> you know exactly what you're dealing with, and they did it again when they started the season last night. They just – team total unders for their opponents is a good way to look at things to begin with, just because when you don't see their physicality, their effort, their energy, their consistent, you know, just the culture that Kelvin Sampson has built there and how they're going to play every night, it, you can struggle to score. You can struggle to adjust to it. And I think even they, how far they went last year without Sasser did surprise me because I thought you were going to need that scoring kick. You're going to need that dude to go make a play. So how he comes back and can he hit that full level and even exceed where he was last year when he got hurt? Was it December? I guess he had surgery late December, early January. Uh, will he be able to exceed that level from a guard standpoint? I think I'm just interested in that team um, in general. And then uh, from a wing standpoint, I don't know. There's a lot of dudes that that pop out that are that – it may not be like last year we had, whether that was a stable of guys like like Ivy. Like you kind of knew there were certain dudes that you were like really pumped to see that we're going to kind of shoot out and be like you know next level type dudes I, and i'm not sure that, that that's the same thing in my mind this year and that's not because there aren't there aren't a lot of good players it's just that singling out this is the best guy is different than saying like there's a stable of guys that, that can come back and kind of carry a torch for a team and lead a team to a certain place and it's also how you look at at different and some of the freshmen too coming in you're know, returning you kind of figure out those guys how they fit in the mix as well um but obviously there's, there's there's great there's great wing and guard play across the country it's hard to say like this is the best guy coming back
0: Duke basketball, who has to step up for that team with Derek Whitehead not being in the lineup to start the season? It's just Jeremy Roach, man.
1: I saw them practice last week, and obviously their first game was last night. But when I was watching a couple weeks ago, I watched them practice, and those guys were out. Proctor was out as well for that practice. It's just the level that he's at relative to the rest of the team is so night and day. And it's also, they got 11 new dudes, man, and, and not yeah. to mention a new coach. Like, right, that's, right. A, that's a lot of new to process and handle. But when your lead guard is your best player, like I don't care how good Lively and, and Whitehead are, I know they're really, really good. Jeremy Roach is their best player. And he's making the game look easy. And he's, every time he catches his feet or set, I think he's making a three. His ability to finish in the lane, whether it's one foot, two feet, two feet and get that ball up over bigs with a control and a great feathery touch. Like, I was really impressed watching him practice in the game. I wasn't surprised at all to see that. But just to see his development and how the game just seems so slow for him. It was similar to when I was watching North Carolina watching R.J. Davis how he in the same realm he was very much controlled confident comfortable getting to exactly where he wanted to get and at the time there were some other injuries in that in that practice too so whoever's team whoever's team rj had he was winning let's just say that they they were winning the drill because he was just it was a different level with the amount of guys that were missing in that practice session i saw a couple weeks ago that said they're back. they looked at like they're back to full health minus washington um but back to your initial question roach is just if he's that guy If he's going to be, if they're going to be really good, he has to be their guy. He's got to be the ball in his hands, making the decisions, making the plays and take every shot, but they're going to have to, he's going to have to lead and be a lead on the floor and off the floor. Because again, with 11 new faces, that's a lot of people you're bringing together. That's a lot of different uh, voices and different experiences. There's a couple grad transfers. There's a bunch of young guys. uh, So it has to be Jeremy Roach. And it seems to be that way just from watching them play and watching them practice.
0: It's Duke. There'll always be pressure, but how much pressure will be on John Shire to start this season out in the right way?
1: That's a good question. Just in the fact that I don't know if, I think he probably feels pressure in it
0: um, just because it's,
1: it is the Duke job to your point, but I don't think it's like pressure. Like I got to have results right here, right now. I think it's also a level of, I have to handle this thing and turn this program into my program. I have to say from the greatest coach, I think in college sports history is Mike Krzyzewski to take, the mantle from him over 40 years, and then take this program, take all the tradition, take all the history, take all the the media scrutiny, but then put your spin on it. How are you, what is your vision for this program? What is it going to be different? How are you going to run the things the way you think it should be and not have Coach K's history or current still influence, I mean, still in the building all the time, overshadowing what you want to do. So I think it's a matter of the pressure there is to kind of start to move it in his direction and move it in his way. They're going to have to get results, but also, as I just mentioned, the, the construction of their team does that make it easy to get results. We've seen recently in college basketball, winning and winning big with freshmen is really, really hard. Like the, that Duke team finally got going, uh, not finally got going, but they, they they, they did something within that tournament that I didn't think they could do, was just find a way to win games where they were behind or they, they, they made the winning plays the last five or six minutes. They didn't, weren't ta- challenged to do that very much during the regular season. The ACC was down last year, as it was the last couple of years, and made it easier for them to out-talent teams. And bear in mind, they did lose to Miami at home. Uh, Wake Forest should have beat them at home like they they had some performances where when they got really tested they had some Virginia beat them at home they had late yeah. game failures over and over again that happened to the young team that team really developed really matured even the last five weeks the last three or four weeks of the season despite that loss to uh, Carolina all that said I think it's it's just a unique challenge they have relative to everybody else especially their rival eight minutes down the road who has everybody back and knows exactly what they're about, and they're mixing in pieces. That's the way you want to win in college basketball, is have some core nucleus of guys, get some grad transfers in there, and have some experience. If you can do that, it makes it way easier to win early and win throughout the course of the year and win when it counts most late. This is a really hard job for Shire, especially with the construction of the program.
0: When I heard you talking about the Memphis Tigers last season, you did mention once that Amani Bates, when he was out of the lineup, it was almost addition by subtraction. Yeah, yeah. This season, what improvement areas, let's keep it all basketball, do you think he needs to make to his game? Wow. Um, there's, got, there's got to be a mental understanding of what, like, what, what, are you, what is your role
1: within this team and playing to your strengths. How do you set up how, – how do you accentuate what you do well? Not hide what you don't do well, but don't try to do stuff you don't do well just to show you can, quote, unquote, do it. Like, let's figure out, would you really understand where your game is at and what your role is within a team? And what you can do to make everybody around you better, and make yourself better. Again, accentuate, accentuate your strengths. Um, part of it from a physical standpoint is body. is I mean, he was a younger dude, obviously. So physically, can he fill out and get that frame a little bit more strength in it? Particularly in his lower body. When you're, people always think about looking at guys uh, and just seeing, like, looking at their physique, you look at people's chests a lot of time. Let's be real. Like in, in hoops, it's your ass and your legs. You got to be able to. got to be able to. Like to, you got to be, be able to turn a corner. Have a low, like, your center of gravity is high. But you got to be able to. Have strong legs to get through guys, get around guys, and then also have a strong upper body to play through contact, to play um, through guys at the rim, and also through guys on the perimeter. So I think there's a there's a physical development as well. In in inter- in today's modern game, you do got to be able to consistently make a three. It's a pretty simple thing. You got to be able to make a yeah. make a three consistently to make teams truly respect you and close out on you. Otherwise, if they can they can lay off you and let you shoot that thing, it does change your te- your game and it changes your team. So his ability to consistently make threes, but not force it accentuate your strengths and work on his body. But the three things that I think are most important.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. And it's also going to be interesting. Is he going to come into Eastern Michigan? Like I'm going yeah. to be the man, right? Because you're coming yeah. from Memphis to Eastern Michigan. So it is going to see how his mind, it's going to be interesting to see how his mindset will be going into the season. Right. I think it's
1: huge. That's why we said basketball, Keeping it on basketball. I think the actual, like the bigger thing really with a young man, that's been so hyped and so talked about for so long to go to somewhere. And essentially, calling a kid a failure like that year was not let's not say a failure that year is never the year he thought it would have been and i don't think a lot of us thought it would have been so it didn't meet his expectations or the external expectations that's why he moved on and he goes down a different level to walk in and still be a guy that's going to drive yourself every single day and not think a you're entitled to anything anything is granted or you should be treated any different that's a battle in itself because that's an interesting construct in how we've developed au basketball and hyping all these guys up you are treated differently from like 11 years old on. So once you realize people realize you're really good, everything about you is different. And I wasn't really good, and they still treated me different. Like I I lived it. And it was a, I lived it in a different in a different context. Like, but it is that's how the thing works. I mean, I got to go to a school that I didn't belong at because I could shoot a basketball a little bit. I, I get how this thing works, but you also have to you, you have to that there's a gift and a curse with that man. You you get a lot, but you better understand that 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 can go away real quick, and you have to earn that thing, especially when you go up in level college you have to earn it and i'm not sure he quite got that you go to eastern michigan they still you still have to understand every day you have to earn it the mental part of that thing is going to be really interesting beyond his physical capabilities. we already talked about
0: that's the ivy league thing right like your yeah. your grades could be pretty good but if you could shoot a basketball you could get into that school that maybe you couldn't get into right <laughs> maybe andrew there's, there's a zippy shot i should have been there i knew that from the first the first couple of weeks I'm like this is going to be tough i
1: didn't know what a midterm was i was completely <laughs> completely into my out of my depth it was not okay but I survived. Thanks to some good people there and an amazing compliance, uh, amazing uh, say team mom, Jackie Black, a okay. compliance person. She was the, she was the best. Helped me get it all done and pushed me through.
0: Shouts to her. Okay. Is there a sleeper team that nobody's talking about that you think has a chance to win it all this season? To win it all. Those are so
1: tough. Cause when it's, when you think about like the actual tournament is such a freaking crap shoot in terms of yeah, just where's your draw, who are you going through? Um, how does it work? It's hard to say. I mean, I, I like the way Arizona played that first year with Tommy Lloyd. I think they have a bunch of pieces that could be good. I loved them before last year to make a run. I do think it's a trendy pick now. But Dayton, um, with the pieces, with the, with the year they had last year, was such a young team to bring back a group. Um, not to, Again, for a national championship, no. But for a team that could actually like sh- really make a big step forward and make a deep run. Um, I like Texas Tech again, just in terms of, I know they had some guys leave. But I like what Mark Adams has built there. And they're, I'm trying to think of teams for the back. You know, half of the rankings teams outside the rankings a little bit, um, which doesn't really dictate everything. But um, Michigan State's guards, I, their guard play was so bad last year. But to have the but, but to have Hogard and Walker back could really help them a little bit. Um, I like St. Louis's pieces too a lot, and I think Travis Ford's is a really good coach. You're talking win it all. I'm so much teams that are they can make a run in terms of win it all that nobody's talking about. Everybody can make an, You can make an argument from from Duke, as I just said, I, really hard to see that, but you can make an argument for them. Baylor, Tennessee. I mean, if Indiana's guard play matches where Tracy Jackson Davis does, who knows what Indiana could be? Like, I think right now it's so early on to say, like, they could win it all. Like, I don't mess with any futures bets in terms of winning championships. The conference championships is more interesting to me because you can kind of guess guess where – because it's a league season. It's who is your league champion over the course of three months, who's going to be able four months to perform at a certain level. is a little more telling, I think, that who's going to put it together for those six games and make a run. Like, think about last year. Carolina and Duke, zero shot I had either one of those teams making in the Final Four. Just didn't think it would happen. I mean, North Carolina hadn't been hadn't punched back all year until they were at Duke, the final game of the regular season. They got popped in the mouth. They came back. They win. Helps change their season. We already went over Duke. Um, so though those runs late are really really tough. Um, I already talked about Houston as a team that I think people now are more aware of that could win it all. Um, but they're obviously in the, where they top five in most rankings, top seven depends on what you're looking at. And, um, so yeah, I've, I've rambled on quite a bit, but it's hard to predict who's going to win. I, I, it's hard to say this is my champ now because there's just there's a million variables. And the biggest variable, dude, is that 64-team bracket. That's the biggest variable that we have no clue what that's going to look like.
0: If you could pick one team that you think will win it all, we got it on wax right here. Who would you say? We got it on
1: wax right here. Um, that's a really tough question. Do I just keep hanging my hat on Houston right now? <laughs> um, well, here's what I will say. I, I find it hard-pressed to think it's going to be North Carolina. Not just because you very rarely go wire to wire, it's this, they have to develop some depth, man. They need more depth and, mm-hmm. and they need guys that can help. And, the, and their sophomore class is, you know, Styles and done. I'm not sure how much they're really going to give you other than energy. You, Pete Nance is a good transfer in. He gives you a fifth guy, but last year they had like five and a half dudes. you know, and they, they, they kind of need more than that. Their freshman class, if Jalen Washington ever gets healthy, maybe he could do it and help them do it, help them get better, trimble the point guard. They need, they need some relief for Caleb Love and RJ Davis. Um, I think Kansas could be, obviously, I think Kansas has a, was, is going to have a shot. When you bring in Kevin McCullough, you get those guards back. You have a you have a, a culture that understands how to win. Obviously, coming off a national championship themselves, um, but I think I feel like North Carolina would be hard pressed to say that Gonzagas, I always struggle with because of WCC. I do think that's a, that hinders them a little bit when you go into the wilderness and come back. Oh, great! They had so much success,
0: mm-hmm. but it's
1: like it matters every year to see how that team plays early against their against some of their non conference opponents before saying yes, this is a Gonzaga team capable of winning it all. Uh, Cause that's where they really make their bones and show what they're all about is in the non-conference uh, before getting to WCC play. So if you're going to put me on the, you know, put me and put it, put me to it. I will say this. Kentucky can shoot it. Now. If Kentucky can shoot it, if if Reeves and, and Frederick are shooting a ball that well and Wheeler's back and you are the national right. player of the year. All right. Maybe I'll say, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I was, I'm going to pick a team. Maybe I would say Kentucky could be the most complete team. If everybody's healthy and we see everybody healthy whether it's Collins, Wheeler, and Sheba with the rest of the crew here in the coming weeks. I would I'd love if they would be ready by or see it for Champions Classic. It seems like that's not likely. But I think Kentucky could definitely, if they can shoot the ball, the, if they can stretch the floor, man, they got size, they've got inside, they got outside, they got a guard play. They could have it all. So maybe that'll be, there you go. There's my unwax, my unwilling pick for <laughs> national champ. Nothing I hate doing more on November 8th and thinking who's going to win it. But I would say Kentucky has what could be the most complete team on paper right
0: now. If there was one thing that Dalian could change about college basketball, what would it be? Uh, I would love to see us restructure the season, the
1: entire season and how we schedule and how we play games. I don't think it behooves us to have this non-conference schedule, a start up against college football in the NFL starting earlier. Does not help us uh, in terms of garnering any attention. Uh, I would structure to how we change. I, I want to see 10 event games in november december january and february and i say that i mean non-conference major matchups mark few made a point last year after the gonzaga ucla game i think they played on a monday or tuesday in vegas they stayed there they played duke that friday that friday game had over four million people watch the game that was one of the highest rated regular season games in recent years um and again you have these big brands with big teams at big venues now they had a good lead in with north carolina north carolina state football but that's part of the thing work with your partners your your, your media partners let's program this thing right Let's have this thing make sense and let's make people aware of the sport and give reasons why to watch throughout the sport. So there are a couple of things. First of all, the structure of the schedule. It wouldn't have to be non-conference into conference. That's all we see. I don't think that helps everybody. I think you need to step out of conference play so you can restructure things overall. Also, because I think teams get better through the year. Once you once you crap the bed in the non-conference, you can't recover in conference play. You cannibalize yourself, but your numbers suck. Big 10's had really good non-conference years the last couple of years. That helped make their numbers really, really strong. We don't know when you get into how they play and the way they play in the Big 12, Big 10, excuse me, not that conducive to winning across the country in the tournament. I'm not just saying from last year's, nobody in the nine teams, nobody passed around a 16. The year before that, they struggled as well outside of Michigan. They play a different style of basketball. Is that style of basketball conducive to winning in March? I'm not sure, but I know that they they are set up and they win well in the non-conference and they cannibalize themselves. They struggle non-conference at the end of the year there are other teams that get better through the year and their league wins don't matter because they've, they've lost them early on. We've seen this with a number of different leagues, whether it's Pac-12, the ACC or others. So I would restructure the comp- the schedule to be, A, later, let's compete with less college football, maybe start the first week of December. Uh, I know, Lord knows, we'd never play less games because now all the media partners, us involved, want all the tonnage. I get all that. I think there's ways to make the schedule work. I think going to 20 conference games actually hurts some leagues. Um, but going back to the 10-pole events, I'd want to have massive... Big brands, the biggest brands, not just Champions Classic, not just Gonzaga. We want to have everybody on board to help the school, help the sport and have big, big big games, double headers. Program them right, program the right spots. Let people learn, understand, and consume the product at the highest level throughout the course of the year. It can cut through into football season in certain regards. When you start November seventh, bro, I did a I did on a, on a market research yesterday of like ten dudes I asked, twelve dudes I asked, seven or eight of them played college basketball. Only one knew the season started that night. One, these are all yeah. dudes in their mid 30s that are, that, are, that, are, that are sports fans. But you have to think about how people consume sports and making our sport relevant. I think that's important. And I would love to see them figure this out and work with the teams, work with the leagues. How do we make these different events, these different games more consistent throughout the whole season? How to restructure some of our, our league games versus our non league games to make it work and make the thing just kind of make it make sense throughout the season in, in terms of today's current construct, media construct, and fan engagement construct. How do you cut through? How do you find relevancy beyond just the last three weeks of the season? Because I think you can do it or you can make a change. If you don't change, we are literally a self-fulfilling prophecy. As people keep saying, well, it's only one month sport. We're damn near close to just that being it. And then those Man. of us like us that love it, that's awesome. But you're not really, you're not garnering. You're, it's like, it's a great product that people aren't seeing, you know, and you want people to see that yeah. product and experience that product. And that's why I care about it. So if I could change something, it would be that.
0: Dalian, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. You're always welcome back. And talk soon, man. Anytime, man. Be well. Yes, sir. There it is, another episode of Combos Court. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Big shouts to Dalian for joining in. We appreciate you. If you would like to receive bonus Combos Court content, check out the Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. Let me know how you feel about Combos Court in the comments section wherever you listen to Combos Court. And, of course, punch down. On that subscribe button, be on the lookout for episode 418 combo
1: out.